Thank you, Susie, for joining us today on our podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be part of this. So to begin with, uh, can you tell us a little bit about what you do at Santa Ana? Currently, I'm the Director of Community Relations, so I represent the district internally and externally to support outreach with partners, um, bridging the gap between the district and the community. I also oversee the, fa- the practice of family and community engagement, which supports uh, wraparound services that are linked to learning between the staff and the parents as well as the community. Mm-hmm. So where did the spark for education come from, where you felt it was a need uh, on your part to get into this field? I'm going to be very honest with you. Most of my cousins were all first generation and most of my cousins are educators and I never thought I was going to go into education. I actually landed in education in the late 90s um, during NCLB and I was going to do that in the meantime while my husband was doing his um, MBA and I was ultimately going to go to law school and I got into a classroom through the emergency credential and all of a sudden I fell in love with those little people. And after that, it was never anything that I looked back or questioned. And every day has been something that fills both my professional and my personal bucket. It's been an amazing opportunity to serve my community. Mm -hmm. And this has just been like an interest that you started since you got your bachelor's from UCR in 98. So when you first started college, was this just something that you didn't have any second doubts for? Because I know a lot of students right now, we might feel the need to change a major or we take a couple classes and we're not sure if it's a good fit for us, but were you just just study on it and just knew that it was going to work out? No, I like to think about it as a series of fortunate events. As I mentioned earlier, I'm a first generation Mexican American, and that has a lot of implications culturally um, in, in, in so many ways, being a female. And one of the things that my parents were very supportive in was ensuring that I had an undergraduate education. So I started as a biomedical student, and once I got into biochem, I decided that that did not suit my needs. Was it so open my Biochem was not my friend. I, I never struggled in school until I, I met Ochem. And then I decided to become an English lit major. And communicating that to immigrant parents was quite interesting because they said, well, why do you need to major in English if you already speak it? And, and conveying that I was going to focus on Elizabethan literature was something that was so far out to anything that they were comfortable with. Nonetheless, their support was unwavering and um, they they were lockstep with me. And I graduated from UC Riverside with the major in in English Lit and a minor in Comparative Literature for Spanish. So it was was not a a streamlined effect, I think, as many students feel when they're questioning what they're doing and, and how they're gonna get there. To me, it's about the process so much more because through it is when you discover what feeds your soul and what guides and feeds what you want to do. So it's no longer just a label or a dream or a concept, but it's very much part of, of who you are. I see. And it's really good that you had a good support system at home. Since you did get your master's uh, quite a few years after you got your bachelor's, 10 years to be exact, uh, what sparked that interest of maybe I should go back and get a master's? So as I mentioned earlier, I, I had a lot of, of forks in the road of of getting to where I am now. And and part of it was that I was not going to stay in education. I actually took the LSAT and took, um, um, I was on on my way to to attending one particular local school for a law degree. But it was that that love for the children that kept on asking, you know, helping me say one more year. And then, okay, I'll wait another year. 
and you know one year turned into two turned into three and then I have um, as I told you earlier I have a 15 year old so then I, I had my daughter and then I thought which one will give me a better work-life balance while filling that that gap of, of serving the community that helped me grow and in education by far was it Cal State Fullerton had always been part of, of what I knew what I understood and the process the process to, to attending the university and my whole experience while there was such a positive one that that I would say it just it, it cemented the fact that education was going to be my my root. Even after that you decided to get your PhD a couple years later. What sparked that interest of let me continue my education and let me just go for the top because the PhD could not have been easy. <laughs> um, I. I, I must be very clear in stating that that I am a geek or a nerd at heart, and if I could be in academia my entire life, that's where I would live and thrive. So I need to make that very clear. I'm I'm the child whose parents would have to turn off the lights and take the books away. If not, I would not stop reading. Um, so it was a very interesting process, and and you're going to see a lot of themes throughout this. But I was discussing, we were discussing research on first generation students, and and how how reflective the teachers in the community that they that they are in are and the impact that it has on their social emotional and academic backgrounds so then um we we started having this conversation and then it turns out that usc has a phenomenal program in educational leadership focusing on teaching in multicultural settings and for my sake literacy development in that course and i thought let me let me get this straight you know and i did some research and it was a phenomenal fit I went back home, went to my mother, because my dad will support anything, and I said, I want to go back to school again, first generation Mexican-American woman, and she says, again? And I said, yes, I think it's the last time, and I tell everyone, I think it's the last time, and I'll tell you shortly why. So during, during the three-year process, my mom, um, my parents took over all the home duties, if you will. So I was working full-time, I was going to school full-time, and I defended within my timeline. I did all my studies, my research. I cleared everything within everything. But it really does take a village. And I had that. I had that in my parents at every step of the way and, and in an amazing supportive husband. So not that you need everything, but I think, again, the, the series of fortunate events have been what has solidified and allowed me to continue moving forward in, in my educational aspirations. So there was that opportunity that was presented to you and you were able to capitalize on it and turn it into something beyond what they initially wanted with just a bachelor's and just an undergrad, but then you took it two steps forward and just did above and beyond what they what the expectations were. Why, why did you mention that it was going to be, it might be your last time going back to school? <laughs> um, so for, for law students, if their parents have a law degree, their parents get to hook them, right? I told you earlier that I have a 15-year-old. Mm -hmm. So if she goes to law school, you better believe that I will be hooding my child. So, <laughs> yes, I am a tiger mom and there's no problem. I'm a lawnmower mom. I'm whatever you want it to be. So that is why. And I might just go just for the sake of, of the love of learning. And so the experience of going back to school, was it a little difficult being older than your peers when you were getting your master's? So for, for education, it tends to be a little bit different because there's so many platforms, right? There's somewhere you, you get your, your um, undergraduate, then you take a break, and then others where you do your undergraduate and it leads directly to your master's and a teaching credential. The way, because of NCLB, the No Child Left Behind guidelines, 
there was an onslaught of, of teachers coming in because there was such a high need. So I did not attend class on campus. It was a cohort that was that happened in a local um, neighboring district where the professors would actually come to us. And believe it or not, I was on the lower end of the of the age trend for that particular group. So it was a very it was this confluence of things that happened that you didn't have your traditional master students. It was phenomenal actually because what you had was a lot of master teachers. So you had you had teachers who had been doing it for a while and who were considering jumping on to the administrative role or jumping up to the opportunity of having district roles and, and that requires the masters in it. So you had a lot of years of expertise, but you had those who, who were doing it because intrinsically it was something that fed their soul and not just another step or check off to, to a degree. So there was a lot, not only was there a lot of a focus and it was a cohort that was two and a half years, but it was also very powerful in that the richness of experiences that came with that allowed for that entire journey to be so much more fruitful. Mm -hmm. I see when like passion is mixed in with learning, then it just exemplifies everything. And that was a case for that particular cohort. Mm -hmm. So I know that right after you graduated with your master's from uh, Cal State Fullerton, you started working back at Santa Ana Unified School District. And I know you have like a huge heritage going back to uh, SAUSD. So can you elaborate on that? Yeah, so as, as the years go by, I think you discover more things and you have conversations. So it turns out that my family um, has been in Santa Ana since the 1880s. And I did tell you I was a first generation, mm -hmm. right? So what happens is during World War II, a lot of the people who were of Mexican descent were um, welcomed back into Mexico via the American government, if you will, right? And um, my, my parents came back to Santa Ana. They married and, and I was born and raised here and went through the whole SAUSD educational system. And it's been this wonderful journey to see the shift in, in the community, the shift in, in the teaching staff, because when I went to school, there was no one whose language, culture, or background reflected mine. And uh, when I started teaching many, many years later, it was still the case. As I've been in the district for over 20 years now, I can tell you that the faces that our children see are reflective in the teachers that are teaching them. And not that that necessarily has to be the case because I think you can get cultural relevance, cultural reflectiveness and responsiveness and, and respectfulness regardless of what your cultural background is. But I think that there's, there's an essence of, of belonging and, and self-awareness that comes with at least a, a percentage of the people who you're interacting with who share some of the values or, and or understanding of, of who you are and, and what assets you bring to that learning community. So for me, being part of, of that shift, personally and professionally, and seeing the, the impact that it has on students. As we know, cultures are constantly changing because they're a reflection, reflection of our social interactions. Santa Ana is not uh, any different from that as, as a city, and neither are any of our neighboring. So to see the, I'm not going to call it an evolution, but to see the constant change and the impact that all these different pieces of the puzzle have has been such a wonderful experience for me because it's, it's guided, fed, and, and informed my practice as an educator, but it has also filled that, that personal bucket of seeing the numbers of our students um, going to four-year universities increase or graduating when, when that was not traditionally the case. Mm -hmm. So going back to Kelsey Fullerton, the diversity there, 
But what made you choose Cal State Fullerton for your master's instead of like any other school, maybe even UCR since you got your bachelor's there? Cal State Fullerton has one of the strongest um, schools of education in the nation. So that's, that's very much a big component. But it was always a very comfortable place. It was a place where um, the, the, the professors who I had interacted with professionally were always very welcoming, very well informed. They were masters of their craft. I understood that from, from not only my research, but my experiences with them as I was a master teacher for different um, um, student teachers who were brought forth in my classroom. And once I reviewed the curriculum and, and the plan for, for both the master's and, and the credential, there was no question about it. And the cohort allowed that diversity. It allowed that, pardon me, the diversity in age, but it also allowed a diversity in gender and a huge diversity in, in, in professional backgrounds and cultural backgrounds. It was about 30 of us, and, and it was just to see the beautiful reflection of, of, of our country's melting pot, but with each one of the flavors still being intact and, and bringing forth a layer to, to the interactions was great, especially during discussions. So what, what do you think sets Cal State Fullerton apart, or maybe even Cal State Fullerton students apart from the other schools you went to, like UCR or USC? My experience at Cal State Fullerton was a very personable one. My, from getting a call versus a letter or a text or an email that I was admitted, I got a call from the, deans of, the Dean of Admissions, the interactions that I had with the professors, being able to go back to them when I decided to get my, my doctorate and, and having, asked, having the, the opportunity to ask them for letters of recommendation and then being able to speak to the type of person I was and the student who I was and the impact that I was having through my educational journey. That, 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 was, that was extremely powerful for me. Having the opportunity to, to be in a cohort with, with people who I was able to learn from and grow with was extremely powerful for me because I wanted, it, I wanted to be in a classroom or in a setting where I was with peers, where I would be growing and not where I would be the one teaching or guiding the, the discourse given my experience. And they were able to provide that setting. I think for, for the students, and, and now I'm gonna speak as an educator with the type of students who, who I'm very proud to see attend Cal State Fullerton. Um, I think it's, it's a place where they feel welcomed and comfortable, but still have the sense of self and awareness and, and, and be able to, to choose their own path. I've actually hired a, a few uh, Cal State Fullerton alums and, and I'm very happy to see that it's, it's this really good balance between self-awareness and, and, and agency, but deep knowledge in, in their areas of study. Yeah, I noticed that a lot where the students that go here, they're very driven. Uh, when they set their mind to something, they really do want to get it done. And especially in my classes, I see some of these students and they're already ahead of the learning curve. They walk in with so much knowledge because they just, when, when they're passionate about something, they just take it with them all the way through the university. Yes. Your goals and aspirations when you were in college uh, during your different times, how has it felt uh, what your next steps were? I think that that's just part of human nature, I must tell you. Um, we feel we need to know and society has told us that we're majoring at 19 at something and we have to have our mind set up. I think my, my biggest advice to anyone who's in their third or fourth year or even starting undergrad is just get an undergrad in something that speaks to you. 
and then get out there and have some experiences because it has to be the combination of both things. If you just focus on the academics, which, hello, look at my background, right? Um, but if you don't couple that with passion and with experiences, then I think you're, you're cheating yourself and you're really limiting your reach. I would say finish your undergrad. Just then that's my, that's even with my staff, that's what I always say. I have them in different parts, right? Some of them have completed masters, others are, are in the process of transferring over to a four year. Get it done. Get that under your belt because then you will have a, a leg to stand on. And then at that point, it's your choice. I think one of the things that we often struggle is, is allowing people to make those choices for us. By, by trying to say, I'm gonna do this and the other, it allows us to have a long range plan, but understand that those are fluid plans. And I think one, one thing that we have to all be aware of is, is life, life has all these different impacts. We're living them right now, right? No one, I mean, if someone would have asked me seven weeks ago, would I be working from home doing Zooms every day for 10 hours? <laughs> I would say, no, what are you talking about? Even a week before we, we left um, from, from school, my daughter's like, are we gonna close schools? And I said, no, there's no way we're doing this. And there we have it. So to me, my advice is go for it, try it. Give yourself the opportunity to feel it, to experience it, because then it is your call, it is your choice. Because there's something that experience can give you that just learning in a classroom can never get you. So let's talk a little bit about, in 2017, you received an award, a Hispanic Woman of the Year for Orange County. So tell me a little bit about that. Um, I received many awards, and, and it's, not a, it's not a boastful thing. I think it's more of a humbling realization that I have the, the privilege and the opportunity to, to serve the community that, that helped develop the person that I am today, and I get to be recognized for doing the work that I love. So although it is a huge, huge honor to be recognized. I'm always humbled by it because I don't feel that I'm any different than any other person, but I do understand the responsibility that comes with that honor and, and the, the importance that it has for, for ch you know, children of color, women of color. Um, and and, and it, to me, it's, it's the privilege. It's a humbling privilege to be recognized. What, are, what would you say your top awards would be if you were to say your three most favorite ones that you've received? Why don't I start with some of the more recent ones? I'll, I'll give you the, I think it's the two most recent ones. So the one that, that right now is kind of on a pause because of, of this situation is um, Assemblymember Assembly Daily's Woman of the Year. I just received that about two months ago. And then um, I also got the Kiwanis Club um, Educator Golden Apple Award this last fall. So those two, I would say, were, were the most recent ones. Again, I don't understand. I, 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 I value, I'm humbled, but I really don't see how I'm so different than, than everyone who I have the privilege of working with. Mm -hmm. So I will con I, as long as given the opportunity, I think I will continue working on, on ensuring that I'm supporting my community and, and servicing those who, who will benefit from whatever I can offer. Mm -hmm. And one thing I forgot to ask is that you love traveling. So where's your favorite destination to go? If you were to, in this quarantine, let's say, if you were able to just go somewhere right before this happened and just be stuck. I, I almost conned my husband into it. Um, we're going to be, we're going to be celebrating our 20th wedding anniversary in July and our daughter for her 15th birthday, which was last January, wanted a trip around the world. And then she um, settled for 
Tahiti. So I told him, I said, do you think you would just go to Tahiti and, and kind of buckle down in a, one of those overwater bungalows that will be okay? And he's like, I don't think so. But Tahiti for me, just the, the pristine beauty and, and nature of it is just, I mean, from, from the lush green landscape to the beautiful waters and, and the way you're able to become one with, with nature, but also be humbled by how powerful and immersed it is. I think that's it. Another, I like beaches, I must tell you. Okay. Roatan, which is off the Bay Islands and, and Honduras, if, if you've not, never been, is, is gorgeous. However, again, I qualify everything I did tell you. I think every single place that I've had the blessing of visiting, and it's been quite a bit, brings, brings a, a layer of awareness and, and, and reflection and beauty into my life. So every, every place is beautiful. If you, if you really take the time to learn and, and try to experience it and have those opportunities growing up. But for her, it's allowed her to have such a deep sensitivity and empathy towards the world that I think um, is, is, is something that we need in, in today's, not, not the COVID world, but just in today's world. I think it allows us that, that ability to connect with others and to really be respectful and, and, and value what they bring to conversations. And I think that has allowed that for her. I see. So your daughter is like, you're just setting her up to be well aware of the world around her and how just how to take everything in. I think that's the plan of, of most parents. I think that that our our um, plan is to make sure that, that we give them everything that we had and then everything that given what we know now, the hindsight perspective, that that we give them that given given our abilities and 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 resources. So yes. But at the end of the day, and if we go back to your first question about what I would suggest to any uh, student in third or fourth year, it's follow your heart. That's always what we tell her. Undergraduate is, is non-negotiable, but follow your heart. Same way your parents just led you with that too. <laughs> Talking back to Kelsey Fullerton students, maybe in particular with education, is there any advice that you would give to some students who are thinking about going to teaching? Connect with, connect with the teacher or teachers who you felt had the longest impact on or the the most impact on you and 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 see what 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 it was about that experience because sometimes when when you're there you say I loved x teacher but what about x teacher go back observe his or her classroom if you have that ability um, pick their brain why they went into education what had what has their journey looked like if they could you know tell their first year teacher self something what would they tell them what advice would they give them I would say go back to the community where you grew up. Try to see whether you can volunteer some days. Try to immerse yourself in that environment to see whether it really speaks to you because a, a life in education could be in a public school setting, it could be in a charter, it could be in a nonprofit, after school program type of setting. There's so many opportunities that I think if, if you just say, I'm gonna teach, which is a phenomenal thing to do, I don't think you're allowing yourself, again, the opportunity to experience the vast offerings that education has. And it might be that you want to be a research um, expert in content. So that means you just continue through your master's and your doctorate and that's that's your pathway. So go back and connect. I see. And that's really great advice for a lot of students just to, because a lot of times if you tell a student who is trying to become a doctor or maybe a scientist or a physicist, it's hard to get those people into their lives to maybe shatter or maybe to follow behind. But with teaching, we've done it for so many years where we've seen different teachers just in our lives constantly. And it goes back to that take a step back, reflect, 
and see what they did differently or maybe see the pros and cons of different teachers and see where you would fit into that landscape. Yes, and, and you know, it doesn't have to be limited to education. Let's say like you're saying, I might not know a doctor, reach out to different institutions, be it through the university or medical or if it's a law firm, reach out to people. The worst thing that can, that can happen to you is that someone says no and you're in the same place you were at the beginning. It never hurts to ask. Mm -hmm. I want to touch on advice that you would give to maybe your former self. I think in my undergraduate, what I would have told my undergraduate self is that it was okay not to know everything because my type, type A personality forced me to always be so focused on, on the end result. In my master's, I think I was more focused, again, on finishing it than, than learning from my peers. Connect with them, stay in contact with them, visit them, not for social reasons only, but to see what I could learn from them. So I think for me, it would have been more how can I best learn and improve my experience through the engagement that I can have with my peers? And I think through my doctoral studies, I was, I was pretty much on cue. I knew where I was going. I was, I was a little bit older and I had a few years of, of my career under me. So that one, I have to tell you that if I had to do it all over again, I would do it because it was just such a positive experience all around. And to end it off, I would like to know what does success mean to you and how has that changed over the years? Success means self-fulfillment. And that is, that is a constantly changing definition. When I was younger, it was being able to be home at an earlier time and the flexibility of, of limited hours so that I can travel more. As, I'm, as I've matured, I think it's, it's that sense of, of serving the community that, that developed the person that I am today and, and being able to be a voice for my community a reflection and, and a model of sorts for, for youth to see that I am not an anomaly. I'm part of, of the threat that makes up the person that they are as well. So success to me, and it's so multifaceted because success as a professional is very different than that as a, as a woman, that as a mother, that as a wife, that as a daughter. And to me, each one of those successes is constantly changing, but it's just as important to ensure that I have the complete um, definition of success, which is my true happiness. Well, just finding that in whatever way you can. And it's also the advice that you're kind of giving to your daughter and your students where do whatever you want as long as, as, long as you get the undergrad. <laughs> then <it gets> happiness <laughs> leads to good, good productivity, whichever it might be. And sometimes it's not by the definitions or standards of others, but as long as it's through your beat. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Susie, for joining us today and for giving uh, us all of these insights and advice. And if students do want to contact you, is there like the best way to reach out to you? Are you available? Of course I am. Um, I have different social media platforms and they can just reach out and, and look for Susie Lopez Guerra and I'll be more than happy. Or they can reach out to me through my professional email and it's probably if they need a direct contact, it's um, susie.lopezguerra at sausd.us. And I look forward to hearing from anyone who has any questions or would like to come visit and, and see what community relations is for SAUSD. I'll be more than happy to connect with everyone.